Hey everybody, it's Greg Barron. And I'm Kay Hanley. And you're listening to <laughs> Rock Out with Your Doc Out. Rock Out with Your Doc Out. Yeah. Yeah, Rock Out with Your Doc Out. And here this, we go. This week we watched a documentary called A Band Called Death. <laughs> yes. Which is about a band that was forgotten and then and then, and not then remembered. And then remembered. Right. Yeah. It's the journey of three uh brothers from Detroit who went from actual obscurity not relative genuinely genuine obscurity genuine like not even existing this is in somebody's drawer right somewhere to um becoming a huge sensation yeah in a in the hipster way in like the cool way weird yeah cool way yeah yeah so uh three black cats from detroit playing punk rock music before anyone else ever did it or anyone ever anyone else ever even thought of it yeah and so uh we watched the movie and we would like to review it for you. We would. We'd like to walk you through it and uh, and uh, and have you uh, enjoy us talking a, about, about a, it. A band called Death. Stop on 11. Yeah, this one goes to 11. Is this one? Yeah, because I forget that the live so one. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That makes so much so sense. So we do 11 a season. Yes. Um, And then we will. This season goes to 11. Yeah, because I think we have to figure out what our assembly line is. Because we, you and I both have the same problem in our lives, fortunately, are not, you know, we don't, we're, not, we're not just laying there with so much time on our hands. To like, right. To get it all together. To watch the document, to, to give it. Yes. Know, three four watches it's like and i've had three people hit me up about being guests so then i think okay do we do you want to theme a season and go look this time these 11 we're gonna have 11 guests or 11 people are gonna bring in a documentary that we were gonna we'll talk about with them or should we pepper that in we should maybe maybe we do one and see if we even like that right but i've been people have been like hey if you ever do iron maiden hey Right, right, right. I've do, had that too. You know, our Bob Mayer wrote back the guy who wrote the right, replacement. I'd love book. to talk about Dig. I'm like, okay, right. He's a music journalist, but it'd be fun. Um, and then also, when I started looking at documentaries, I was like, oh man, do I go Rock a Fire? Like, do I go? Because there's some like I, there's a there's a Bang Tango one. There's one about the band Betty Blowtorch. Where I'm like, who the fuck are these people? And they made their own documentary, but some of them look super compelling. And re- I mean, and some of them just look absurd. Absurd. Which and- makes for a great, as we know, makes for a not so great viewing experience. Well, although in retrospect, you know, if we're using Rock of Fire Explosion as the benchmark for like shitty rockumentaries that made for great podcasts. Right. You know, but then that- looking back on it, I taught, we talk about this one. The one that is shitty that we never talk about is the Stone Roses because it was just like. It was just boring. It was just shitty. boring. Right. Right. Right, Rock of Fire, I was feel like, like is it worth a a revisit and maybe even a live one because I think we should all sit down and it, like in, in the like Socratic have a screening. Ma- yes, and have like the screening. Greeks, we should talk about it as a community. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And just like have group therapy afterwards, just process it. Yeah, I was surprised. On a group la- level. This last time, how many people did not like Nick Brumfield and really had a strong reaction to our, right to the Biggie Tupac thing? 
Right. Right. There are there is increasingly a vocal group of people who are listening to the podcast that are participating in the Facebook page. I think everyone should do that. I also think everyone should. T- I never understood uh, before this the importance of reading and reviewing things. Now I'm doing it more because I see yes. that like it's important to us that you right. rate and review our podcast. So if you would take a moment to do that, we would be so appreciative. Yeah. And by that, we mean on iTunes, if you're getting it some other place, that's also fine. I don't know what the rating system is, but unfortunately iTunes makes it a criterion as part of their algorithm uh, of giving you um, visibility. Yeah. um, Which is fine. Giving you like an end cap. Giving you an end cap. That's right. Yeah. Let alone an end store. Whatever the digital distribution version of that is, of the end did, cap is. Did Letters to Cleo get end caps? We did. I remember we would do, there was a very specific thing that you that bands would do in the 90s. Um, you would go and like just as important as going to the radio station or MTV or any of those places that played music. Right. Just as important, but not as well known was the playing the show for the distributors. So like oh, right. whoever did like the regional distribution for Best Buy, like you would go to Michigan and you would play for them and then you would get like end caps at right, all they the dug you Best like, Buy's. Right, exactly. Right. Like you just cap. go and do the dog and pony show for the distributors. Right. And now of course those things just don't exist anymore. And we live so, in a very savvy world, but an end cap is basically where you where you're featured at the end of an aisle in the section where you make the turn or when you're coming in, right? Is that what yeah, an end cap is? Yeah, it's sort of like the planter's peanuts today at uh, at Gelson's. Right. You know, right. like like Gelson's didn't just decide to put p- planter's peanuts on sale. They, That's right. You know, planter's peanuts like is doing, there's some quid pro quo going on right. where that where planters peanuts gets that plate placement at the end of the aisle where everyone can see it and it's on sale. Everyone would buy right. it. Frito. This like- message from me to you brought to you by planters <laughs> peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Kay Hanley here. I have Letters to Cleo shows coming up in November. Uh, We're doing vinyl releases of each of our three albums. Uh, We'll be performing Aurora Gorealis on November 16th, Wholesale Meats and Fish November 17th, and Go on November 18th at the Paradise Rock Club in Boston with Blake Babies, who I love so much. It's going to be amazing. Buy uh, vinyl and show bundles or individual little tickets on letterstocleo.net or Ticketmaster. Hope we see you there. Mwah! Hey guys, it's um, Greg. I'm going to be at the Comedy Store on uh, the 7th, uh, a thing called the Resistance Variety Show. Uh, and I'll be headlining, and it is a benefit for uh, mental health. Because um, I do benefits now, is what I do. I'll go. Benefits. I think that's what I have, yeah, just for now. Hey, be sure to uh, follow us at, at Kay Hanley, at Gregory Barrett, at Rockout, Dockout. And on Facebook. Uh, and on where Facebook, you can have a lively uh, conversation specifically, with other fans yeah, of the podcast. Tell it. That's right. And there's quite a few on there. Uh, and a lively discussion is always appreciated. You don't have to love it, but you do have to rate it. If you listen to it and you like us, we really need you to rate this show over on iTunes. 
Uh, and a review is great. You don't have to do a review, but if you have something to say, also if you don't like it, start some controversy. Yeah. It's fine. Um, like uh, like your opinions we can have are a feud welcome. with another podcast. Like, I mean, that's right. That's right. Yeah, We'd love I mean, to have you with another podcast. Karen Kilgariff yeah, is like just itching for fisticuffs. Kilgariff needs a takedown. Yeah. If the bigger yeah. the podcast, the better. I don't know. Joe Rogan doesn't even know we're alive, he will. but he will. When I come find over out. there, we're, we're going to wrestle him. sandwich for him. I love it. I love a knuckle sandwich. You're supposed to hate um, it. It's um, supposed to hurt. Oh, I hate it. You I hate it. I hate a knuckle sandwich. Well, I've had a few. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, you want to eat. Um, <laughs> All right, All right, rock out with your doc out. Woohoo! See Bye. you soon. Bye. I know, Rick's like, we got to get real advertisements. I read that, that, that people who have good shows get advertisements, but we Oh will. my God, I will so, like, get, I will talk for days about some fucking mattress right. or Blue Apron. And if you're out there somewhere, like, listening to podcasting, considering it, we love Sheets. I like the ones that are on the Pod Save America because yeah. they're all things I'd use. They're all things I've yeah, looked like at. Yeah, like squishy, yummy sheets. Sheets. I will talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. those things. Yeah. Sheets, blankets, any sleep devices. We will uh, veer from the copy in an entertaining way. Of course we will. That will make the most of your product. If I like something, <laughs> you're, I will sing your praises to the point where you'll ask me to stop because I'll use swear <laughs> words. Like where Cadbury's like, please stop talking about fucking the candy. It would just... We get that you like it, but you've made it untenable for a lot of folks, and you keep talking about it. You're the leading voice in Cadbury Eggs, and you've kind of fucked it up, so stop. Just in time for Easter. Just in time for Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Greg talks about filleting the Cadbury cream egg. I do. I feel like <laughs> the Cadbury cream egg. I like those uh, flip side crackers. I made a big deal out of those. I don't those. even know what the fuck that means. Uh, half pretzel, half cracker. Oh, yum. Half pretzel and With half the- cheese cracker. Yeah, they were, you'd flip them. They were kind of insane. They didn't taste like anything. You put it in your mouth and you go, that is not an experience I've had. But you, but a pleasant one. Awesome. A pleasurable right. mouth not, experience. Yeah, yeah. Not you know like what tropical Henry dots says, where you go. Speaking of that, Henry just tries to say the thing, like really offensive words to me that make me want to kill him. And all this weekend, he just kept saying mouthfeel. And I was like, mouthfeel. stop. Oh my God! What is mouthfeel? Like, Ugh, what, I don't. It's like the way a food feels in your mouth, and it's supposed to be like if you're describing like a food or like a wine. It probably started in wine world about like the mouthfeel is. Oh, the mouthfeel. You're right. Do, do you have you noticed um, any uh, sort of hipster language where you go, wait, what did you just say? Like with it, Henry? Yeah, or with any of your kids where they say a thing. Like this weekend, for instance, Mighty said that something was a total smoke show. Oh, really? Which Does is just another mean- way for saying smoking, which is just another way for saying hot. That someone was hot. Dude, is a total smoke show. D- right. And I was like, fuck, that's a- there's something I kind of like. I mean, I-, I love good words. I will never say it other than ironically because I don't belong around right. anybody. Right. Um, but but sometimes you're thinking, that is so, what? A total Henry, smoke Henry uh, also this weekend, he's like, mom, you're such a meme. So now he's using meme as pejorative. Uh, as in cliche? I don't know. Maybe. Or like a, maybe. Like maybe. A thing. It was an insult. Whatever it was that I was doing, he Henry's, was trying to insult Henry's me. Henry's fucking tough, man. He, he's a tough He's audience. tough, man. He can go he's cold. Hard on me. He can go cold. Yeah. So That's yeah, he funny. called me a meme. You're a meme. As an insult. Holy cow. Yeah. So. And do you ever go back? Would you go? Would you? Would you try and hit him back with an insult? Not really. No. Yeah, no. I'll yeah. just be like so. 
I know you are, but what am I? Yeah, memes are super popular. <laughs> are you exactly. a meme? Because I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of people don't know if you're a meme or not. So <laughs> if you're saying super popular, catchy things that people like, want to talk about, I'm a meme. <laughs> yep, that's me. Yeah, you're a total <laughs> smoke show. Smoke no. show doesn't sound good. That sounds like to me. Smoke show sounds like a, a mess or all smoke in mirrors or. But it means smoking hot. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It was, she was referring to one of the yeah. cast members of. Uh, of like Riverdale or something. Of Stranger Things. Oh right. Yeah. Oh my god. I believe God, it was. I think it was Steve. I think it was the. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. What's really interesting is watching how that's going to play out in the world. Well, it already is, but how it's going to play out fashion wise, as. You the know, 80s? everybody starts dressing in a way that we were trapped into dressing. Like people don't understand that. Like in the 80s, those were your choices, period. Yes. And that you were like, no, I have a flat down vest on that's block colored and I, I can't get out of it. And there isn't a future where pants fit properly. <laughs> like I don't want my pants all the way up here. This is uncomfortable. Like they boys cut me wore, in half. wearing mom jeans. Yeah. Yeah. I was always like, how am I going to ever be trim enough to like, it just cuts me off at the, yeah. I didn't but a couple that. of my friends now have like, seriously unironic mullets now today yeah that, are they uh how old are they you know late 30s early 40s like very stylish people yeah okay wearing yeah. and it looks good i tried to do it when so, i had my talk show and people were like i don't know you had you a mullet in. yeah you were ahead of your time or yeah. you were in between your times it was a little bit during the strokes thing so it sort of felt a little bit like what the strokes were up to there's always that right. sort of like I've never, I haircut. need to see footage of your talk show. I don't think I ever saw oh, I that. Think you did yourself a grand favor. You can just, the Greg Barron show, you can YouTube it. Did it, but it was on the air? For a year. Really? Like the way you said that is exactly the way people are. Like, it was on the I air. I am, and we're really good friends. Yeah. So I don't know how. Daytime. It was, it was 2006 to 2007. It was on during the day. We shot 123 or 33 episodes in a, Three months. Like I bet you were awesome day. at that, Greg. You know, uh, on some days, yes, and some days I looked totally like, why am I? What? What are we doing? Because a lot of it was like the same kind of talk show stuff where you're like, we're going to get this family back together after the break. Like, oh you know, no! Yeah, there was a lot of like it, oh, it, it's its own whole thing. But I, they wanted me. I wanted to to go with suits and short hair. Like I wanted to go very like almost fifties, like just mm -hmm. really clean cut. And they're like, no, that's not who you are. And you're probably too old to pull that off. So then they gave me vests and stuff. So then I bleed, my hair was super bleached and I started to comb it into a mullet. And I look like I've, I look like I had been pulled. I was on loan from a stray cats cover band. Wow. That wasn't too good. Like I had a Brian, I had the one Brian sets at the height of. So a little pompadour. A little bit pompadour. Going? Yeah. Cause I was pulled oh, back. Okay, so great. it was I like see. that. But then some of it sort of went off to the sides. And right. You know, the replacements had mullets, but they did it in a way that made you go, that is so cool. Well, they had like, they, they really look like ratty kids. Right. So right. they just They look like the kids like, from Stranger Things. They did. Right. They did. They yeah, just yeah. kind of like, but in a way that's just kind of timeless. Right. Right. Somehow. I don't know how that works, but I think there's just like, a, there's kind of like a rock and roll uniform that never doesn't work. Maybe. Yes. But on a certain dude and on other people. Right. I mean, it has like, to be legit. Yeah, you have you to, have be, to you, be a little bit you, of a hoodlum, which is what. That is the thing. It's a hoodlum look. It's a fucking hoodlum. That's but really it has accurate. To be authentic. Yeah, you have to be. That's why when you would see it on like Paul Young or any of the Duran Duran people, you'd be like, <laughs> well, guys, this isn't. 
I mean, maybe John Taylor's a bad boy, but not in a way that... Have you seen John Taylor around lately? Yes. He kind of still looks a little... He's he, still very handsome. Uh, yeah. I saw him one day and went, is that, is that fair? Because we're the same exact age, I think. I think he must be a little older than you. Maybe. Just slightly. Maybe. He might be 55, 56. He's a very nice looking man. Yeah, I so see he, him out and about in Studio City. I do too. And I might have had one interaction with him... Uh, uh, and he was super, super sweet. He's very nice. And his Duran Duran money is his walking around money. Oh, that? yeah. What about when that Ooh, when yeah. that whole career is just your pocket money because your wife sold a billion-dollar company? Is that true? Yeah, his wife invented. His wife's one of the people that invented Juicy Couture and then sold it. Oh. So Duran Duran's like so the money. So she's got more money than he does. Yeah, that's just their fuck you money is the Duran Duran money. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I'm not even kidding. Wow. That's amazing. Hey, maybe we should get to the podcast. Let's do it. It was a great time. It was that Motown time. And, you know, here we are in the middle of all of this playing rock and roll. Nobody was making music like that in 73. Three black brothers from Detroit, Michigan. What were they called? They were Death. called Death. That's a good name. Have you lost your mind? He told us you guys might have a record deal if you change the name. Absolutely not. We are fighting to maintain our identity. It's pretty hard to be black playing rock because you had to be Motown if you were black. White boy music. <laughs> we got turned down by every major label. I just put the tapes in a safe place. I didn't think about it. One day the world's going to come looking for the Deathmaster tapes. There's been hardcore history sitting up in that attic and no one's known about it. We're just now discovering this band that had been sort of lying in wait something they pressed 30 years ago, selling for 800 bucks. Dad, why didn't you tell me? He says, they're playing your music at underground parties here. It's been 34 years since the songs have been heard. It's one of those things that keeps you going to the record store, hoping for another great story like that. The ultimate trend, 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 trend. My name is Kay Hanley. I'm Greg Barrett. And you're listening to... Rock Out with your... Dock Out. Rock Out with your Dock Out. <laughs> I gave it as a credit the other night at the show and people started laughing before they even really knew what it was. They were like, that's hilarious. <laughs> what is it? It's rock documentaries. People were like, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> See, that's why the name works, Greg. This yeah. is why you're such a genius because the name is you what the show is. No, you did. I think I said it wrong and then you said it right. No. I said I think I said take out your dock and rock or something. No, well, you fucked up the name a couple of times yeah. when we were doing the podcast but you came up with the name oh okay well i you still really feel like did. i give you the credit for because i feel like you maybe said it back to me the right the way it should be oh i think okay. you actually said you know what let's just say it's a team out. effort it was a team effort sure. it was a solid team it's a good look it says exactly what the podcast it is, what it is. is and we have taken our documentaries out and we have rocked them so far yep. 10 this is a season finale 11 of season one which is today which is today because this one goes to 11 this one goes to 11. This, this like season. Okay, so um, we are, today's uh, rockumentary is uh, a band called Death, 
directed and produced by Jeff Howlett and Mark Covino in 2013. And uh, Death was a, a, a pre, a proto-punk band, uh, three black cats, in the words of, uh, of uh, Kid Rock. Yep. Three black cats from Detroit yep. uh, who had a punk rock band before anyone had a punk rock band. And uh, they died a, a death of... of um, they were a hard obscurity. sell. Obscurity. Yep, obscurity, right? They were, right, that, they were um, obs- yep, Before they, anyone really knew what they had done. But they all, left right. behind a body of work and just enough breadcrumbs for people to find them in the mid, early to mid-aughts. Yeah, it's a really cool, interesting story. I remember seeing the documentary trailer when it first came out. And, uh, you know, you're surprised when you're like, there's no way I don't know about this. How did This can't be real. Right, How exactly. did this get missed? Like, here is this pre-punk. It's in. It starts in the same basic era as maybe a little bit earlier, around the same time as MC5 and um, Iggy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two years before the Ramones hit. Two years before the Ramones, right? Right. And they're three black brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, whose last name is Hackney. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they all grow up loving music. Yep. And uh, uh, Michael, right? Is the is that the that's the singer, the brother? Uh the brothers are um the David is David. the lead brother. David's, that's right. David, David David is sort of like the mad genius of the whole thing and he he runs the band. Uh, he he's got like this. I mean, death sounds like it would just be you know that it's supposed to be really provocative. But David, the old, eldest brother who conceived of this band, he really had quite. A, this was a high concept for him. The band um, they had played been playing together their whole lives. It was D- David, Bobby, and Danny were the three brothers, and. Um, they grew up kind of like in the bosom of Motown, mm-hmm. and um, right. They grew up in Detroit, and the ba- and they had been playing. They got their instruments. Well, there's actually, well, there's a clip about that. We'll go back to that in a second, but yeah. um, we'll stick a pin in that as uh-huh. it were. <laughs> so, um, so the 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 way that they got the name was there. They were a really tight knit family. They actually had one more brother named the eldest brother named Earl, who hit the um whatever it is, what's the closed caption thing below when he's the talking head, it says not in death. Not in death. <laughs> not says, in death. He's not quotes, in death. Right. Because so he's by not. the way, these guys, all three of them and the mother and the subsequent children from this family, there's a, there's a strong DNA that makes you go, fuck, they are all, it's, I'm not going to say it's like an Eddie Murphy movie where he plays all the parts, right. but they are so Similar. similar. That you are really genuinely not sure who's talking. Yes. And at one point I said, wait, 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 wait. Is this a gag? Like they are, they are, the whole family looks very, very similar. Yes. Right? They like do. It's, totally. It's hard to know. You're like, wait, which, which one is this again? Right. Yeah. And they all have the same dreadlocks. Yes. And the same. And, and they the all kid, have a very, we'll get to the kid, the grandkids later on. Yeah. That there's, there's so much to this story. They, the way they got the name death was because they're the father, the patriarch of this family. Again, they were all very close. Mm-hmm. Dad was uh, like an electrician, mm-hmm. but like he worked for the the utility in Detroit, and he got in. One of the kids who was training under him 
got into an accident and the dad put this trainee in the car to drive him to the hospital and then they got into a then they got hit by a drunk driver and the dad who was rushing this kid to the hospital was killed instantly in the impact and it had such an effect on the family that i think the way that david seems to have coped was developing this like big like this larger meaning around the word death and yes. so that's what he named the band. Yeah. He had this whole philosophy that went along with it. So so he was a little put out by the fact that people didn't understand or refused to take the time to read beyond just the word death. Because people were vis- obviously put off and were like, you know, as soon as they found out that the name of the band was death, they were like, mm, pass. Right. I mean, up until this point, like band names, like maybe the most provocative would have been something like Black Sabbath or... You know, like there just wasn't, there just wasn't, the, the names just weren't that scary. You know, there wasn't a Sex Pistols yet and, right. you know, Iggy and the Stooges or the MC5 or the Ramones are you know, innocuous comparatively. But yeah, but, so yeah, so they call themselves death and it's real and it's meaningful and it's not just right. provocative. But For the sake of it. Right. But then their music is, it's sort of hard to kind of. It's not very death-like. Like it's, it's, it's. The the interesting I found it really interesting that like there really was no punk rock when they started and these guys these were guys who again like grew up in the Motown thing and then the eldest brother again David went and saw the Who and was like whole like just had his consciousness blown up out right. of his head right and was like I have to do this and then uh and then they saw Alice Cooper. And then they started seeing all that music. And David said, if I don't do this music for the rest of my life, I'll never be happy. And you that's to, what he said. Yeah, right. About rock and roll. Right. And they, they, from that, they came up with their sound, which is unmistakably punk rock, but no one had ever done punk rock before. That's right. It sounded so like, crazy. if anything, if there were any other, like it did, it sounded, there were parts that were like the Who, if you just took a middle fast part out of the Who, there are Mm-hmm. There are there are parts that sound like a lot of the middle eights in um, Rush songs, where the song just decides to go into a gallop, where there's like <laughs> like that. But that's their whole song. It starts yeah, there because like, the bass is move moves. The bass is like like there's yeah. not. It's not just that thud 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 thud. So there's a prog. There's like a prog thing happening. Like there's a playing. Yes, you're right. Right. There's a little prog thing, but all of the songs, most of the songs, start off pretty like challengingly punk like that's that's an odd chord or there's a weird little note thrown in here there uh and fast and not like kind of anything and certainly you have to remember just like with everything else in in the world there was prejudice or just unsort of spoken like but but black people don't make that's right hendrix was this weird thing where people had to keep connecting soul to him and r&b and the blues they had a hard time just throwing rock and roll on hendrix they had to keep putting yes. those other things in there so that mm-hmm. they could make their own how could a black guy be playing white just straight rock and roll right like i mean maybe it, it, yeah and maybe the greatest rock and roll guitar player of all time without it being influenced by all of like without having all of this like traditionally right. black influence right and this is straight up rock and roll like it there's really no is. it's not anything it else really it is. has pieces except of, for the bass playing now that you mention it yeah, well, yeah the bass playing is pretty fucking soulful right but that to me too is also like the guy who's like, yeah, I'm not just playing bass. Yeah. 
Right, like my yeah, buddy Greg right. was like, yeah, no, no, like we were trying to start a punk band. He's like, but I like Stanley Clark and Jaco Pastorius. I'm like, well, you pick the wrong group to yeah. be. We can't. Those are, oof, that's <laughs> like a lot of notes. Like our bass player plays no more than three chords. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, or three get notes. a guitar, guy. Get it. That's get a guitar. It. Do it. Or the horns. Right, but, sure. Uh, um, uh, Keyboards. Yeah. So they make this really unusual, very interesting music. Yeah. That, um, um that like again, I have I was like, how do I not? How did I never hear about this? Well, here's how you never heard of it. Yeah. They made every single thing they did was the wrong. I mean, ultimately the right <laughs> choice, but everything they did was the wrong thing to do. Right. Like f- starting with naming their band Death because Death really right. was like the death knell of their band. Like no one would touch them. No one would touch them. People just didn't. Get people didn't even give them a chance. The other thing they did, which is really funny, is um, you know, they were like, Well, we need some kind of a they knew enough in their sort of little bubble of hackney, uh, you know, just playing up in their attic, you know, they were in their own little world. They right. knew enough that they needed like a record deal. So they got out a phone book and yeah, they hung the so phone great. book to the wall. It opened up to like the music production pages and then one of them stood back and threw a dart. Literally, this is how it happened. And it ended up on, what was the name of the- The studio. Thing? The studio was um, Groovesville Productions. The studio Grooves, was Groovesville Productions, Productions. Yeah. was the name of the production company. And then they ended up recording their album- at or what would have been an album at United Sound, which is where all the huge Motown records were made. I right. mean, this was like uh this was the studio in Detroit to and you know, it's funny, the, just total sidebar, Letters Cleo recorded at United Sound. What did you record? On there? the road. We were <laughs> That's we recorded, funny. we were like on the road. We were th- it was this period of time where we would we'd like have Everyone was putting out like soundtracks and benefit albums and stuff. And there was this uh, either Rock the Vote or um, Rock for Choice uh-huh. thing. Right. That we were, you know, we were always contributing songs to stuff like that. And so we were on the road. We were doing a cover of Dreams. And I had horrific. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood, Fleetwood Max, Max Dreams. Dreams. Yeah. For this uh, Rock for Choice mm-hmm. sound album, you know, compilation. Yeah. And, um, I had a, we were like, we started recording it in Los Angeles and then I had horrific laryngitis. So like a day later we were in Detroit playing a show and we just like booked studio time at United, just hoping that my voice would come back enough to sing dreams. And I did. And you can hear that if you hear the version, you can totally hear that I have laryngitis, but we were like, so in awe, it's so not our world. Like the Detroit, that Motown scene. What was that? What was that studio like? It was fucking old school. It was like yeah. orange shag yeah. carpet yeah. and just like gold and platinum records everywhere. It's just like seriously OG shit. It I was love amazing. that. It's funny because you know the um, you know that's sound. That's what Sound City was like. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't realize that I had been in Sound City because um, uh, I was friendly with Tool and they were working there. And you so, were friendly with Tool? I was friendly with Tool. Really? Yeah, I was friendly with Tool wow. for a while. Yeah, I'll like I, we knew to know Maynard, more about that. Maynard, Maynard, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah we can, Maynard seems like a nice guy. He's Yeah, he is a good guy. He's a trip. He's a lot of things. Um, yeah. But um, 
but anyway, they were recording. They invited uh, myself and um, the people that I came down here and was in a band with briefly. And anyway, we went and watched them record. And I didn't realize we were in sound studio. But I remember leaving going, oh, it fucking smelled in there. Didn't it smell in there? It was like wet. Like, you know, like carpet keeps wet. Yeah, it yeah, just stays yeah. in there. And it's everything... Damp. They all were. They, that one in Sausalito where people recorded and the like record the, plan. The wooden, just like all the wood paneling, yeah. but like dry. Yeah. Yeah. And so. also, you know, rock and roll musicians, right? Like these are, some of these people are like pirates. You know, this <laughs> is, you know, there are some, there are some, certainly some well-educated, interesting folks, but there's also just some animals that record and make music. And so these places have housed bad behavior for years and the people <laughs> that own it, Usually our dudes are like, do we have to clean that up? We're not going to clean it up, right? We'll just vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> like that thing of like, like they were not kept up in a way no. that you would, yeah, because they all no. smelled and they were all like, I don't know. Musty, but with a with yeah. old cigarettes and. Right. People should have said, just bring towels so you can sit. You in the air. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can smell, there's failure. You can tell there's a little failure in here. There's a little <laughs> bit of, a little glimpse of success, but more failure. <laughs> That's so interesting. I want to hear that. We'll have to. We'll have to reference that yes. song. We should. We should totally back yep. up a little bit because I. We need to talk a, a a little bit more about the family and the mother's influence. Yeah. Like one of the things that I thought was so moving was mom and how she just like she just believed so much in what her kids were doing. Yes. And so. They didn't have, they didn't grow up in squalor or anything, but they were not rich or well to do by any stretch. So at one point, mom got into a car accident and apparently she got quite a settlement for her injury, an insurance settlement for her injuries. That's right. So she asked the boys what, where they would, what they wanted to do with their cut of the money. And so. This is the story about that. One time we had some good luck in our family and our mother got a settlement from a car accident and suddenly we had some money. And she gave us kind of a choice of what we wanted to do. First thing we did was went to Manny's Music, man. Manny's Music! I brought a Rickenbacker guitar and a Fender guitar. David brought a brand new Fender guitar. Bob went and bought himself an acoustic amplifier, so I had to have the best drums I could find. I went and bought me a Slingerland set of drums. I had a bass, Dennis had some drums, David had a guitar. We started jamming together. Here we go. So cute. And also, yeah, yeah, the Rickenbacker bass, it's so funny. It's so of an era, like Uh, the Slingerland drums, uh, the acoustic, like the acoustic amplifier, like, you know, the Fender guitars, like, and that's a straight up. That's some sweet gear. That's some sweet gear. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, I love that we finally had some luck. Mom got in a car car accident and didn't die. And we got a settlement. (laughs) I will say though, from the minute these guys are on screen, like I, you know, I got, somebody wrote me back about the way my treatment of, uh, the singer of Lamb of God, my, my being suspect oh. of the thing, saying he's a pretty good guy, you know. And I said, I know, but it was just the vibe that I took from it. And I will say right off the bat, these guys are as lovable, a gr- like there's there's not, there's hardly, an I don't know that there's an objectionable moment about them at all. Like you are. They're so earnest. Earnest, humble. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they're not all there as we, as, as we know, as we'll reveal, but, but they are um they're not bitter no 
they're not bitter and mm-hmm. it's a big but it's a big deal like the the emotional weight of all of this like you you can tell like it's interesting i was going to ask you about this uh about like their their connection to the music and i guess because they were all brothers but it was it was like it was a heavy thing this making this record warping this band and then it ceased to exist at a certain point and it's just not easy for them to even talk about it well the their their struggle was a pretty typical struggle for you know most people who try and do something creative for a living right you know there's a lot of rejection right. a lot of rejection and at some point you have to decide whether you're you can handle it one more time you know like how long are you going to suffer the indignity uh-huh. of trying yeah. to meld your art with commerce right it's, you know the, the road right. is paved with a lot of pain and heartache right and just like you you are terrible and you'll never make it in this business but and also you're black and also you're from detroit and, and you're also you're so music, many things that are and like your name is death your name is and death. honestly at one point in the show it's in the movie it's revealed that clive davis i mean how much of this is true and how much of this is kind of like the legend they created i'm inclined to believe that it was true uh, well, for, for another thing they did wrong, by the way, before we get to Clive Davis, is that they really went with a Motown production people and like all the people who are handling all the Motown artists. That's who was handling death. And they didn't know what the fuck to do with right. these black guys playing yeah. this crazy, loud there's not music. A mo- there's really not a Motown moment to be had no. in any of their music. And, and as soon as p- the anybody from their camp tries to sell anyone else on the on the name the band with the name death the door just gets slammed shut instantly no one even wants to hear it because their name is so objectionable so but, at one point oh, oh sorry. yeah no go ahead go ahead go i ahead. was gonna say well as soon as clive davis is like i basically i will take you i want to work with you but we can't i can't sell a band called death you know right and this is that like and this is a, a recurring theme in a lot of these things. That, but the like, the the I won't compromise guy because the two the the bass player and the drummer are both like, yeah, man, we had to call it anything else. I'm I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to do whatever. Like they were like, we just like playing music. We yep. are whatever. And there's always that guy that's like the the guy who's the genius who's like, and you always wonder in these stories like, when is compromise okay and when isn't it? Right. I don't think you know until I just after don't the fact. think you know. You either look like you're a really intuitive person or an asshole. Right. You and know? in this case, David, the older brother, looks like an asshole because he absolutely 100% refuses to change the name. He is just like, if if we don't, everything begins and ends with the name. Like he has this, again, like this grand concept that began with his father's death and like how to make sense of it. It's really a concept name a concept band a concept album and like he feels like if any of those variables aren't in the equation that it's not that it's it doesn't work and there's only photographs of him there's no there isn't any video of him so it's hard to know you're just getting him from in story which you already at the beginning you start thinking he may have been one of those outliers like he may have been one of those sort of geniuses that yeah like was headed for that could have been like the unabomber eventually like just so set in his ways right that there is no way he'd ever be able to fit anywhere in the world because he's so unbending in his philosophy about 
everything. Right. There was no, you know, the means justify the ends right. with him. If, or the, or as some of those people are, um, you know, they, I mean, sometimes they, it's funny how it plays out where later on, you know, in the case of the Ramones, certainly the replacements, even a little bit with the Pixies, sometimes we are like, no, later was your time. Because you stuck yeah. to what you did and because you were obstinate, because you refused or whatever, or because the band couldn't continue or for whatever reason, mm. it then later on became your time. Whereas with some people, it's like, no time will be your time. You blew it. The whole thing about these guys, though, is that, so David is like this obstinate, you know, iron fist ruler of the concept. Mm-hmm. And the other brothers ha- just end up having this mantra of go with your brother, go with your brother. Right. Whatever David says, that's what we will do. This is his thing. Right. And so not surprisingly, the the whole thing collapsed under the weight of that. They lost all the deals that had ever been on the table were gone. The Groovesville people were just like, you guys, we can't do this with you anymore. David somehow, I don't know how he knew to do this, but he got the masters back. Right. Which is very unheard of, especially in those days when it was like, I think that they just felt bad for these guys. Right. You know? So here's another thing that went like comically wrong, but right at the same time. They have, um, they have the brothers had, or the Hackneys had family in New England. So uh, they invited the guys to like come and just like reassess their lives in New England. And so they went, these black rock musicians with dreadlocks go and live in Vermont. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is about as unblack punk rock as you can possibly imagine. Where Ben and Jerry's is from, right? Yeah. It's an ice cream place. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's an ice cream place. It's like, it's a, it can be a hippies. hippie place. It's hippies. Yeah, 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 it's hippies. Ice cream. Bernie Sanders. The proletariat. Yeah, right. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that shit. I mean, actually, it's, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like everything that they did. It was, it, it looked optically. It was just the wrong thing. Well, especially. But it worked out so well. Right. In the end, you know? Right. And, and so to all the brothers went and kind of like to put their lives back together. Eventually David is like, fuck this Vermont shit. I want to get out of here. Let's go. And the two other brothers, Bobby and Danny were like, we don't want to go back to Detroit. We like Vermont. Now we now they have wives and families right. that they're starting and and uh so Danny goes back. But when they by the way, oh. when they got to Vermont, they they wanted people to know they were in town. So they put up because I think this <gasps> oh, is really that's interesting. Right. So they put up posters all over town and the town then the posters and this was never talked about. I was gonna ask you. So the posters were amazing. I'm sure just one of those oh. would be worth so much money. But they're just black triangles with the word death written in um Old English or yes. whatever that fall, right? So tr- it just looks like protest or it actually it looks, looks like, remember those old, the silence equals death? Yes. Right? Yeah, the yeah, AIDS, yeah, yeah, yeah. The early yeah. AIDS, right? Yeah. So this, this, it's, you don't even know that it's a band. Like it looks no, like a cult right. or something, right? It just it looks, looks like a like message of like, scary. yeah, something bad could happen. Yeah. yeah. So not doing themselves any favors at any turn. Like their, their initial thing was to come to town and people are like, what? Is happening, but those that imagery did show up later in pop culture, which is sort of interesting. Because I do feel like and the, it does. I feel like yeah. the early versions of the silence equals death. You know, the graphic yeah. part of that campaign was very similar to those posters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a fact, but it just 
you know. It's um Danny was oh I mean David was always very confused that people never just didn't get it. So the the police paid them a visit and uh <laughs> as you would as you would like this is we're listening not, to go not if I'm a cop black dreadlocked guys from you know putting from up Detroit. death posters you just want to go look hey fellas right. can we have a chat right. just a chat and that's I'm, what they did I mean it, yeah, it they, wasn't, it's so funny because the way Bobby and Danny tell the story it's like they're just like so the police came and they were like no please don't and you know like, they just tell they're just like the sweetest guys they are, there's no victiming no. victimizing on their part at all I, no. I would imagine if the brother was around he'd have a few complaints right but they are no they they were peaceful about all of it totally to- and totally accepting and kind of comical about it yeah. and certainly I would imagine when the cops met that at least the two of them they would have gone well these guys are fine they're just in a dumb band I mean it's a dumb band but yeah. you know that kind of a thing um, just a little side note I was in Sacramento years and years ago when I was first doing stand up and everywhere I went, there would be like a handbill or a poster, and it would be like an insect or like a mop or like just some random image and the word cake. Cake, yes. And it's when cake was becoming yes. a band. It was so compelling. It was so, ah. the font that they picked for cake and then the image was always, you know, not cake. Right. In so many ways. And I was like, that is, I had no idea what it was either. Like, like I, I assumed... More. But I was really curious, yeah. Yeah. But whereas the death one was like that, made me go, "Fuck, something is there's a bad something bad something is happening." Bad's gonna yeah, happen. something bad's right. coming. Yeah. No, I mean, before I ever saw this movie, like when when stuff was going on, you know, when it had like a bunch of buzz and hype a couple of years ago, I remember thinking like, "Oh my god, that sounds really scary." Right. And it's not. It's not scary at all. That's the thing about this movie. If if nothing else, it's like death is not scary. No, not at all. And um, so, okay, so David goes back to Detroit. Danny and Bobby stay in Vermont to raise their families. The band breaks up the end. Danny, I mean, so you would, one would think that would be the end. Right. Um, David becomes, not surprisingly, a uh, victim to the bottle, becomes a terrible alcoholic. Right. And uh, Bobby and Danny thrive. There is their- a moment, though. I'm trying to get this right. Isn't there a moment? I don't know if it's right after that or if it's in between uh, Vermont where they did they did change the name from it to the fourth movement. Right. And they became that's they, right. They, they made the same kind of music, but it was spiritual. So it was still <laughs> punk rock, but it was about Jesus. And And then they got some like seriously spinal tap reviews. Right. People were like, like shit sandwich. Yeah, well, they were reviews. basically saying this is Good, but lose the religion, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> is this more rejection? <laughs> but then, like, but before when we when we were doing it without the religion, you, nobody would even open a door. <laughs> yeah, backwards. Yeah. yeah, they just they 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 did not have great business acumen. No. They did not. So you know, so the Danny and and Bobby start a reggae band, and they're they're. Uh, happily living in New Hampshire. I don't know what Bobby was doing for a living, but Danny was uh, working as a janitor at St. Joseph's College, Yeah, I think. Yeah. And that's what, or St. Michael's College, and he wor- worked the night maintenance crew. And that was how he was able to put his kids through college and all this stuff. So they're thriving, and and then... Yeah, and it's but, funny, like, that's the perfect thing for, for uh, Vermont is a reggae band. 
Oh yeah. So that white people can go love black music. Oh, I love. Oh black yeah, music. and you can it's make so- a crap load of money doing that circuit up there, up in like New Hampshire, Vermont. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like the, the meadows of New England. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. you Super know cool. it. Super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Western Mass. Yeah. Come on. Right? <laughs> Come on. So now, of course, the story takes a very unexpected turn, unbeknownst to uh, the Hackney brothers, some rumblings begin on the underground and the amongst the pop the punk rock purists and right. Jello Biafra, of course, has to make an appearance First because, off, like, oh my God. I've never seen Jello Biafra in person. Have yeah, you yes. have? I know yeah, yeah, you yeah. have. Well, because because uh, I grew up over there, so the over uh, there. Dead Kennedys, yeah, in San Francisco, in so Dead, so the Dead Kennedys land. were a big deal. Yeah, they were like you know that was like San Francisco's like had its little punk scene as well. East Bay thing. He was insane and hard to follow his politics. Sometimes you're like, I don't, you know. But really flamboyant and really funny and yeah. kind of like when he comes on camera here, I'm like, where is where is the show that's just Jello's 45 collection where it's just him explaining because he buys odd records. Yeah. Right. Talk about record collecting, he says. Well, uh, you go by hunches. I mean, I found this in the thrift store. Glenn Schwartz and the All Saved Freak Band with a brain on the cover. I thought, how can I not take this home? And here's uh, my favorite Christian ventriloquist, uh, Marcy and Little Marcy. Don Bowles, formerly the Germs, actually tracked her down and got one of the dolls a while back. Robbie the Werewolf is sort of self-explanatory. This is a regular old lounge guy, but... <laughs> Somebody to haunt you in your dreams. Anyway, so when I, I, I saw the death record, the single Politicians in My Eyes pop up on this one guy's list, buried and everything else, the northern soul, as they call it, for ridiculous amounts of money. And there was this little record, Politicians in My Eyes, and I thought, this looks interesting. I, I loved him in the movie. I was surprised Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Him. It really explained a lot. It really uh, helped bridge what could have been a really obnoxious... Maybe it's just because it hits too close to home, like, but that just like intelligentsia of indie rock snobs and sure, you know, like yeah. I, like ugh. curators. Thank you. Yeah, the yeah, they they put all of their time into the idea of finding these old bands and loving them and this. And weird it's like stuff if you're and, just being obscure, oh yeah, is grounds for being awesome. And I just don't buy that. Yeah, but right, like right. But it, but I I felt like Jello like going through his record collection and explaining you know why he bought certain things and he has like obviously a crazy vinyl collection right and he get and then he talks about having the the single which by the way there were only f- Dan David after he got the masters back printed up five hundred forty fives of of uh, politicians in my eyes back with knocking on my door knock on my door knocking on the door knocking on the door whatever yeah yeah um not heaven's door no it's not heaven's door just the door yeah a door a, a door their door yeah 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 right not the door to success no the wrong door <laughs> the maybe wrong it's door. knocking on the wrong, the wrong door i've knocked right on the door. wrong door <laughs> i can i come in Are you this is not the right door for you i'm coming in now this is a mistake Jello's in here. Jello, you're right. That's funny. That's a whole other thing. We should talk about that because that, like, that whole thing of you realize. I've realized as I get older. You you look at at, at those the pitchfork as a sort of a broad stroke thing. Those are just people who feel left out 
originally and they're yeah. shouting loud enough to make sure you know they're also here they don't want to disappear and right. the only way they can do that is by saying it's shit it's shit you're shit this is shit i know cool shit because the records i like are just as obscure as i feel right in the world oh so I've, i feel I, I equanimity with this record that was also left behind and nobody fucking liked it or gave it a chance you go okay mm. Right, and every once in a while, there's a death in there, and you go back or go. They were ahead of their time, and a lot of it is that's just poorly recorded and not great. But we've decided to elevate, elevate it, it because you know uh, it. Maybe it was left behind. Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, plus the fat cats, the record companies, and the corporations that fucking that stuff. Where you go, I'm getting sleepy now. You've really helped me understand, Greg. Well, because I thought about it a lot. Because I always get really pissed. Thanks. I I have. I get a visceral fuck you at Pitchfork because probably they would, they would never think I was awesome. And right, I, right, right. And maybe that's it because none of those places ever thought I was awesome. Right. They always thought I was uh, gossamer. That I was until, lie by night. Uh, until everybody shows up and starts screaming about Josie and the Pussycats. You just right. never know you never who likes know. what. It's right. just the time. It's the time and the times people are in. Right? This music... Well, we'll talk about it later because I have a different reaction to it if I had just seen this band fresh now as opposed to knowing the context that they were in. Right. Like if I went and saw them today. Right. And they'd been around, but I had only came to some, I'd go, this is okay. I'm not, you have to equate, for me, that goes with your youth. Right. So if I'm only getting it for the first time from a guy who's in his 60s, right. I think, I don't know if this is very good because I don't know what the connect because i it, some things are felt you couldn't you saw the sex pistols now and had never seen them and never heard a note you go i don't know why people like this but i want it to stop yeah <laughs> right and some people like me would go they can right. keep playing i don't care how old right there's that yeah. thing of like thing, it, it requires context context some things really do yes and i think death is definitely what i'm 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 happy that you said that because i didn't want to say that i didn't want to admit that. They seemed smart but, because, but, but the okay. context. I mean, the story of what happened to them, and so, kind of pushing forward a little bit from the Jello thing. You know, the the rumblings of the underground be started to um, started to become real chatter um, from real news outlets, like. Right the New York Times and stuff like that. And they got together and played some shows. And now, oh, 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 we have to talk about the kids. So all of a sudden, after the the talking head, the Jello Biafra and all of those people, the talking heads, there were some other people in there. So all of a sudden, after the Jello Biafra sort of bridge from the past to the present, the now we meet Bobby's children who are like these impossibly great looking black skate punks from vermont they're so in college it's just like it's so it's so fucking amazing and they the the, the eldest bobby jr is in college in san francisco and one of his friends starts talking about this band called death and plays him the band plays him the band plays him the band and he's like oh my god this is my dad yes Right. And it's and like, then he goes, what? Well, he, says, he, goes, he goes, it sounds like my dad. And then I look at the record and it says Hackney, which is their last name. And he's like, I fucking This call. is my dad. So and he had my no uncles. zero. The, the Hackney brothers never told their children, even though like their kids had grown up with their parents being right. musicians, they had skipped over the death part of their music history entirely. 
Yes. And so the kids had no idea. So the next thing you know, the kids start getting involved in like getting the death masters to, um, what's the name of the record? To Drag, Drag City, City Records. And so Drag City Records puts out the record. That's a good, and that's a good label. Yeah, I mean. The hipster label. Very credible yeah. in that world. Like yeah. So for the first time, the right people are hearing about it at the right time with the right resources and a way to get this out. So of course- but by now, um, David, that you know, the eldest brother has died, and um, yeah, and, and so, sort of a, they would say sort of a, he just sort of drank. It sounds like he drank himself today. But he he ultimately had uh, lung cancer and a lung cancer, had, right? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm sure the fact that he was a you know hopeless alcoholic did yeah. not help. And they do st- you don't he is sort of a mystery. They just sort of at a certain point sort of stop talking about him, kind of after Vermont. You know, because he was around till till the till two thousand, right? So, um, um, he was around for a while, and they started a reggae band and were successful doing that yeah. and played with people, and they, uh, just that thing of like it was clear they weren't gonna give him up for this doc, like they were not gonna. It, it was probably pretty ugly and very sad and difficult, but they really didn't focus on that too much. Just yeah. that it was sad and that they missed him and it was a big deal and they obviously felt the loss to the point where they couldn't even talk about the band with their kids i don't know i just think that they thought that it wasn't important like they really thought that that was just like not uh they like josie and the pussycats (laughs) maybe it's kind of every person there was like i haven't seen this since that we may i haven't nobody at your thing had watched it but thought about it yeah everybody was like what 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 happened? are we doing well my kids definitely knew i i did not ha- but <laughs> it, there's there's something of an a- analogy there but they were just i really no, think that you that move they on with your life they just really didn't think it was worth mentioning well and already people had said no it's basically it's a, they it's didn't a similar make thing a rec- i mean they made a record but they had never put any out anything more than that 45 right they hadn't played any live shows right like why would they tell anybody about it they had to really come from out of the grave to get back there it yes. had to really like it was an act of like it had to happen. And like, they it was, were so they were you could tell that like this was having this brought back to life in such a way was so shocking to them. But at the same time, they couldn't help but reflect that David kept saying someday the world is going to come looking for this music. Someday the world is going to come looking for this music. And yeah. they thought he was crazy or that he was just a dreamer. But, and then they talk about it. I thought nobody in the world would hear this one. David always believed that the world would hear this music. This whole thing is happening, not because of my faith, but all this is happening because of Dave's faith. Dave is the one who said all this stuff was going to happen. We told him he was dreaming. But now we're living it. And that's what's making everything so strange. You know, it's like a movie. And we are the unwitting stars of the movie. You know? And Dave is the director. (laughs) Even from his grave, he's directing the movie. (laughs) That's strange. Yeah, that is great. It's wild. It's great. And 
it really speaks to the fact that these guys did not like you are always the the thing with the documentary for me i think because um you start watching a lot of them and you have to start suddenly watching them with like, am I being manipulated? Whose idea was this? Right. And like, I never felt Mm-mm. snowed or that these guys were trying to make a thing. I think they were caught up in a really good story and they were happy to tell it and they were happy to be a part of it. And it yeah. is really cool, but I never felt like, um, it never felt like none of it rang. It never felt like bullshit to me. They didn't overdo the filmmaking, I love the fact that they had maybe four photographs of the four of them together. Yeah. Or the three of them together and they had and to they take those photographs. And, yeah, they had to do this thing where they re, where they make the photograph look like it's kind of coming apart. Like they... How did they do that? I don't know. They used this device in what? the photography of the movie that was like, they made, they turned all these like old photographs into 3D. Yeah, and then they go across, it pans across left or right, and then so you sort weird. of come to the other side. It's really cool. It was cool. But it was also what they had to work with. And they're yeah. like, man, we've only got this. Yeah, they had like four. They definitely had limitations Kodak in what they could do to tell the story, other than the recalling of the brother, because there were clearly there were not even that many pictures of him. So, right. it's like, yeah. Oh my god. So, I mean, the story is just so amazing. Part of what, like, the thing that just like killed me at the end was the fact that they hadn't like to go back to this again. That they felt that the story was so not worth telling that they hadn't even mentioned it to their kids. Right. So the, the, the a single shows up on eBay, another record collector buys it. They start chatting about it. One guy starts looking to figure out who the band is. These sort of Henry Owens, who I know a little Owens, I know a little bit from Chunklet. Like these sort of online places start to build the the myth the of the of this record. Right. And suddenly people are digging to find out more about death. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they start playing shows again. Well, so the the sons right get excited about. So now they've got through. Uh, uh, so David Hackney has two boys. Three. Th- those are all his kids. Th- those are all his kids. Danny doesn't have any kids, I don't think. So Bobby Dan- has Bobby Junior. Right. Julian and Uriah. Right. Right. But wait. Who- so those are the three Did Dave, kids. Dave didn't have kids. Wait, and David okay. didn't have any kids. I don't think David or Danny had kids. Only Bobby had kids. Okay. So they start, they're like, we got to play this music. Yeah. And they already had a band, by the way. They did. Yeah. But they renamed, So they, but they start playing these songs. As, as David's Gnome de Rock, which His was, Gnome de Rock. which was, uh, Rough Francis. Was it Rough Francis? Rough Francis. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I makes actually, sense. I actually wrote it down. I think that is right. I think it's called Rough Francis. Rough Francis, yeah. Yeah. And um, um, and starts and they start playing like a tribute band. They start playing the, all the songs of death that they know and people love it. So that's yeah. all happening. And they get asked to do a show in Detroit, but could they get their dads together to play as death? Yeah. And they're like, I don't, you know, they don't have a, don't have a band. They don't have a band, really. So they got the guitar player from their reggae band, Lamb's Breath. Lamb's Wait, Breath. Lamb's Bread. Lamb's Bread. Anyway, that doesn't even matter. They got the guitar player from the reggae band to replace Dave on guitar. And 
when they heard him play, you know, d the guitar player yeah, yeah, felt a, a nice huge moment. sense of responsibility to like live up. They didn't really think that this guitar player was going to be able to do it. Cause like, who's it's really specific too. Like you listen to it, you go know, like it, you think, oh, this sounds easy. It's like, it's like the Ramones. You go, yeah, but it's not easy to replicate. It's not easy to do what, what that is. It's its own, yeah, real, he has his, it's his own, own real thing. guitar sound. Yeah. It's really kind of crazy. Yeah. So he apparently is so good at it that at the beginning of the first song, they have to stop because one guy has to go outside to cry. Yeah. And the other guy just cries inside. Right. And the other guy's like, did I fuck this up? I'm, you guys, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll do and they're it right like, no, it's time. just too real. Right. It's so real. And it feels like a genuine thing where they literally, I think, just brought their brother back. I think that relationship is super complicated. They didn't expect that this was the thing they were going to be doing. And it was yeah. like overwhelming. Yeah. You know, and they're all three very religious. Yeah. And they all feel like it's a spiritual, like there's a Like thing a connection. Happening. Yeah, right. which in they, some ways, if you look at the story, you're like, well, it's sort of hard to argue with it. There was some kind of emotion, some there, kind of the, thing. The whole thing was based around the idea of this triangle, that the, the concept that David came up with, which is, uh, what? Lamb's bread. It's a strain, a strain of weed, lamb's bread. Oh, okay, yeah. Good for them. They oh, don't. That they makes don't sense. mention their relationship with pot. We don't. No, know they if don't. They, have they a say something. There's a song about like, like spark up the ganja or fire up the ganja or yep. something like that. But right. I guess you have to do that if you're in a reggae yeah, band. If you're I mean, in a how band. do you like? Right. What do you? What do have people, a reggae band if you don't? What's the message? At some point, right. right? What's the message? It's like God and weed. Well, I get and it. I love like everybody, but we're gonna get high, right? Right. There's gonna be weed. Yeah. There's like, will there be weed? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there will be weed. Right. And we're not playing to like actual Jamaicans where it's a religious thing. We just need to get white kids to want it who right. want to smoke pot to come out. Right. Or or this is the place where you can pretend to s that you smoke pot. That's right. Even if you don't. That's right. Right. Uh, so I totally lost my train of thought. The, the um. Oh, they play the spiritual, the triangle. Oh, yeah, the triangle. Right. So Dave's like big concept was like, the triangle, the death triangle represented the triangle of our, like all of our, the essence of man, which is like the mental, the spiritual, the physical. Right. And then with the third, so there's three points for the triangle. And then there's an extra point down at, on the like right hand corner of the triangle. And that represents God who is like overseeing the triangle. It's like he really. I, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining. The, no, that's all. No, no, no. But no, no. um, but that that's basically it. So the so the fact that like the God component of their mental, physical, spiritual world and David overseeing this from heaven or whatever. It was it was all incredibly emotional for them. And like, there's no you can't direct that. You can't edit that kind of feeling well, like they it's it's, also it's so honest and true yeah and it's that interesting thing where and i think probably this was my 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 what i liked about it and what i like i mean it's a story i enjoy all the time um one of my favorite documentaries which i think we'll get to next time i'd love to is the end of the century which is about the ramones oh yeah and it's maybe one of the it's really well done and it's one of the saddest ones i've ever seen oh because they just didn't they it just didn't work out for them or so they thought oh right most of what's happened to the ramones has happened post them you know each one at a time dying oh, right like their fame i mean they had fame but they didn't have wealth and they didn't have the kind of recognition that they enjoy today like if they played today 
they would be you could, could have them for up both Wembley. weekends of of Coachella, right? They could sure. have Oh my god, yes. Right? They're this thing. But this is a thing where these guys were never going to be talked. This was never part of the discussion. No. Right? Imagine you're like it'd be like if I was saying to Rick, I go I had a band called the New Sheridans when I came down here. It would be like if somebody one day went, "Man, people really want to see that band." I'd be like, "What? What, what are you talking what? about? Like why? Like yeah. There's no artifact either. There's nothing but a 45 we made years and years and years ago. But that's this story, and it's but it it got into the hands of the right people. So as much as I, those tastemakers are the people that you know are like, oh, why are they so mean? They found something good. They, they found, found something, something worthy, yeah. and they passed it along to each other, and they made it happen. And then they it caused the release of the masters to put the whole rap 35 years it took to make that record. Right. You Amazing. Know? It was such a great story and it could not have happened to more worthy people. Yes. And the filmmaking was great. The filmmaking it was, was yeah, really great. Yeah, really good. This can we talented. Just, before we before Wrap we rate it, yeah. can we just play the one last clip yes, of course. from this is from Bob this is Bobby talking about again, talking about Dave and a lesson that he learned from Dave. Whenever I say death, I think about my brother David. He convinced us. Not only did he convince us, but he he inspired us because we had the chance to change the name. And uh, I think David was the prime example of what the Lord said when he said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? And David's music was a soul and he never wavered on that. And the chance came, change your name and I'll give you the world. And David didn't waver and I'm proud of him. I love him and I honor him for that. I mean, that ends the argument right there. It's so amazing. That's so awesome. And you know, it's a weird thing to think about. Like, but if you look at like all the stuff that's happening in the news and all, all these, you know, like the Weinstein thing, the Manafort thing, like these mm. people who traded everything, right? That's yeah. what it, right? They lost their souls. Yeah. They had everything. And eventually it, it like that, you know, kind of like it comes back to what's the point what was the point then it's so hard to have integrity in this world Oof. and it's so hard to like there are so many i've tried to order it from amazon and you can't even <laughs> you can't <laughs> it is it is yeah. right there's just so many distractions and so many especially when you're on a creative path when you're not punching a clock when you don't have a boss when you're really just relying on your own compass to lead the way of where you're going it's real easy to get pulled off your path and that's not always a bad thing sometimes it's good to have like a, the influence of other people to help show you the right way to go but then there's like your core beliefs about who you are and where you're going that like you can't 
we can't afford to lose as creators, you know? Right, but they're and so, oh, you're right. it's so hard to hard. stay true to those. Hard. And There's- like, so this story, it doesn't, and it doesn't always work out like this. You know, like this is a great story, but right. for every story like this, like I can show you, a thousand people and not that there's anything wrong. like this guy was so happy to be working as a janitor and putting his kids through school and playing his reggae festivals on the weekend like he didn't need this to happen for him to be happy no, and maybe like, that's the point right his whole thing was like i figured out how to make a life i get to do what i want i have a job i have kids like there was no again no no self-pitying no victim right. victimization no any of it just gratitude you know i mean i think sometimes with super spiritual people if their spirituality sets them up to win if it is a belief that you really don't have a lot of control maybe that's because he did not that's what it felt like with the other two guys are like man we can't control him Mm. they're his songs we're not let's that's a fight i don't want to have right i'm gonna let him and then he and then he's gonna go his way unfortunately he you know he was too self-will and drove himself out of the world but his music Mm. Prevailed. Bear fruit, yeah. yeah. And it's tough when you have other people going along on the ride with you, and you're like, ah, this decision isn't just mine. Right. Like I can put a lot of faith in myself and an idea, but now I've got five other people who are hoping that idea is going to work out, which is hard. Yeah. Because I'm, you're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. You know. How many tough nose you give this? I got to go four or five. Yeah. You know, four, four or five. five. Yeah, only because I think the only thing missing for me was a bigger profile of day. Just a, I would have loved to have learned or had more about the about the brother mm. you know a little bit more about his struggle a little bit more where his lyric like it just more yeah more about the more more the reveal music yeah yeah because that's the missing part but boy those guys so worth seeing so worth yeah. seeing this movie yeah for, for so many reasons like it worked on like as a piece of filmmaking it like cinematically it was shot beautifully even like the older stuff was treated in such a cool way, yep. like just er, not a single frame was wasted. Yep. Not a single talking head moment was wasted. Even the Kid Rock thing, which was like, so why is he even here? It's like, I guess, cause he's from Detroit. And of course the requisite Henry Rollins. Like if I die and you do a documentary about my life, like if Henry Rollins is not in it, I'm going to feel like I failed. Right. He belongs in them. Every Always. time I see him. I it's see like, Cle- just bring him up to speed. Yeah. On I my love life. it. I, there's a certain kind of one that always has Clem Burke from Blondie. who has <laughs> something to say about he everything. He lives around here he, too. Yeah. 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 He <laughs> has something to say. He would come on here. I would get him. I can get him to come Let's on here. Do it. He'd be fun. Uh, he's <laughs> nuts, but he's fun. he'd be fun. But there's, um, but what I, I, if Elijah Wood is in my documentary, why was he there? Why was he there? I, I thought maybe he's a producer. Maybe I don't Could know. Be. I'm happy for Google him it. to like it, but that at the I start that's that to me is and he was doing that kind of um, those setups that they always do and like we are the '80s or whatever, which is oh yeah, cornflakes. They were like the best cereal, like that thing of. <laughs> I remember cornflakes came out in 19, but like you don't remember that. That's right. the thing they're making you say. And I felt <laughs> like he was giving context, and it's like you were going. I always get him confused with uh, the kid and the kid that went out uh, in the Sean Penn movie where he goes out in the woods and dies. What? Uh, what's that actor's name? Elijah Wood. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Or the kid from. I sometimes get him confused with uh, with Harry Potter too. I get them confused. Oh yeah. I'm like, which Bilbo science, Baggins which, and which gigantic science fiction movie is he from? He's right. a sweet kid, but right. it's weird to have him in here. It's weird to have him there. Right. He right. may be my ha- He might be the reason for not getting a five. 
Right. No. Why was he there? I don't know. I, I but he kind of like I forgot he was there until you just mentioned it. And now. I wish there'd been more from uh they had um from um called the personality of that band. Oh, Vernon Reed. Hey Vernon Reed. Vernon yeah. Reed was the, I would have loved to hear more from Vernon him Reed too. Vernon Reed seemed like he had, would have a, a he a has really a really interesting take. Right, cuz he's on that. Yeah, he's got a chip in this pot, right? Like he's 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 had the adventure he's got a what? being a chip in the pot. I don't know okay. what that means. I think I'm going to admit it up. No, that it, makes total sense to me. Uh, no, what is it? Uh, in a hand in the game. Anyway, he was, <laughs> skin in, a, in, the game? He was in a black. He has some skin a in the hand? game. Because he was in a black the rock and roll band during a very white rock and roll time. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and their biggest mistake was just thinking that they could actually wear body glove oh, suits on stage. Oh, man. Right? That's a, man, you lose 15 pounds. Just Who was, the singer was Corey Glover? Corey Glover. Yeah. He was hot. Yeah. They all were. They were great. They wore like, but I feel like I'm like in terms of the outfitting, I'm conflating them with Millie Vanilli in my head right now. Yeah, no, they wore the body glove like they wetsuits. They wore day glow oh. wet he wore a day glow wetsuit, which was like super cool look, not practical at all. You're wearing a set you're wearing a seal. You've worn you're wearing a seal over you. They played cult of personality at spin class the other day and I was fucking going crazy for it and that's what they'd hoped would happen yes you might not think this is cool now but when they have indoor bicycles <laughs> for indoor white women <laughs> for indoor white women this shit's gonna go you just wait you just wait you just wait uh, it was really really inspiring it was yeah. like at the end of class and i was just like i felt like it was i could have gone for another hour yeah, yeah which is really yeah, yeah, I think it's super cool. Yeah. Um, all right, Rock Out Your Dock Out, season one, successful, I feel. Yeah, um, my name is Kay Hanley. I'm Greg Barrett. And uh, and Rick is over there. He's going to edit this beautifully for us because that's what he does. And um, we'll see you next season. Give us some ideas about yeah. what you want us to review next. And we're going to we're going to hopefully give you a syllabus so you know what's coming up for the whole season. Yes. We're going to do it. We're going to do it a little bit differently next time. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. One, two, three, now.
Politicians in my-